Hello, this is Quantum Peeper, a podcast about creative thinking on self-care, authentic relationships, and non-traditional families for a more peaceful and just world. I'm your host, Kristen Harrison. Let's get started. Hello, friends. It's Kristen coming to you on today, the 477th day of April 2020. No, just kidding. It is the end of April, but man, spring has been very long, and I'm very glad to be done with April. We have been in quarantine from the COVID-19, as many people are, most people are, uh, here in my home, here in Austin. And that, for me, has meant being with either one or both of my children, uh, one at a time or two together on every other weekend, for maybe, what, going on something like 50 days, just me? That's kind of crazy. Uh it's been very challenging. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you because it uh, has really brought up a lot of, uh, you know, trauma. You know, trauma is a trigger to all the other traumas. But I feel like uh, after I've had a number of folks, uh, you, you wonderful, beautiful people, ask me to please, you know, make another podcast and spend a couple months, um, I wanted to tell you where my brain was. And I've been thinking a lot about this idea of essential personnel. Uh, essential personnel, you know, we've been hearing about the essential personnel as our nurses and our doctors and the people who clean the medical facilities and the hospital workers and the paramedics and the firefighters and the police officers and the grocery store clerks and the people who are stocking the shelves and driving the trucks to make sure that the food gets to the places. Um, we're really having a new understanding of what it means to be an essential worker in uh, this economy, in the, in the way that the world really runs. And I think when it comes to kind of my, my own understanding of my own uh, kind of friendship metabolism or the people that I need around me or what is essential to my, you know, daily life or running of my world. Uh, I've gotten really, gone through this really interesting sort of um, kind of chemical process. It's it's kind of a process of uh, distillation and uh, change and observation to come to some understanding of who my essential personnel are in my life. Now, you know, those of you those of you who have no questions about your essential self or what it means to be a full human being or uh how do you relate more fully, you're probably not listening to this podcast anyway. You're probably off doing things that you know, well-adjusted folks do. But for all the rest of you, all of my really good friends, you know, uh, what we we work on all the time is this idea of trying to understand, you know, kind of who are we in any given moment? And this aloneness for me uh, has been kind of like an elimination diet, right? So when you go through and you have a, uh, you know, a sickness or an illness and you get rid of 
all the foods. You know, you just you're trying to have rice and water, and then you add one thing back at a time. That's what this period of quiet and aloneness feels like to me. I was in a, a, a moment today where I. <laughs> when you're when the only person you have to hang out with is your six-year-old and they don't want to put on shoes because they don't want to go take a walk around the block and you're having a big argument and then it becomes a thing and all you want to do is go outside and take a walk but you can't leave your child at home blah 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 blah. I was just having this moment and I went out to the front of my house where I have my bench and I just sat and I just had this feeling that I just kind of sunk into for a minute. And it's this feeling of loneliness, like this feeling of, um, it, it, there's no one to relate to about this situation with, <laughs> with my kid. There's no one to call. There's no one to, to, to text or message about. Um, I don't have a significant other. I don't have, there's no, and I don't really need moral support. I don't need anybody to be like, oh, I know he's got to put his shoes on. I hate that. I don't need that. I just was having this moment of like, this is my experience and here I am directly in it. And I realized that that feeling of loneliness, that feeling of direct experience, of kind of wishing that there was some other observer or some other participant in my direct experience. That wasn't something that just happened, you know, today. That has happened my whole life. That's happened in relationships where that that feeling of loneliness, of being with someone but being alone because you but be but you expect them to be present with you. Uh, and so I realized that that this this feeling of loneliness that I've carried with me my whole life, it really is it's starting with me and it ends with me. It has nothing to do with anyone else. I know this is strange, right? It's not just being alone, but the actual feeling of loneliness is not in my in my observation and where I'm kind of taking you through, doesn't get cured by another person. And I think it's because at some level, that feeling of loneliness, that feeling of, you know, desperate connection that someone else was with you in your life, is also this idea that someone could come along and perhaps fix your life, you know? I think that that's kind of the unresolved fantasy that I've had in my in my time is like, hey, you know, if I'm having this moment of sadness, I'm having this moment of grief or frustration, and then I have no one to share it with, or someone is not sharing it with me in the way that I want them to share it with me, then I kind of have this hope that there's going to be someone who just fixes it and makes it go away. Like the feeling is just going to be able to go away. And I know that some of you guys have already gone through the mountaintop and you've been through this, but I'm telling you, at 44, I'm still figuring these things out. And I realize that that's actually, that's actually not the case, that no one is coming to save me. No one is coming to alleviate the loneliness. No one is coming to witness my life with me in the way, in the perspective that I have my life. And that I am the beginning of the problem and the begin and the beginning of the of the solution as well and so that empowerment right so that's that that sense of like well it's very clean right there's no other person around to to make make any any matters muddy so 
if I am the person who can, you know, make it better, if I am the one who is the, uh, the, the, the begin point, the end point, then what does that mean for when I go back out into the world, when it comes to, you know, when, when all of this is, is, you know, resolving in some way or another, and we can at least go and have, you know, normal, you know, drinks with people or go kayaking or whatever it is that people do. Um, I myself am not particularly going kayaking. I mean, I might go kayaking. I've never been kayaking, but, um, you know, what is, what do I take, what do I take with me from this experience? And it struck me that a friend of mine recently, I was, I was texting with him and he had said sort of in a joking way that he wasn't dating anyone right now because it was sort of a public service that people, you know, if someone really kind of, I guess, kind of got to know him or wanted to be, you know, was going to be around him, that it could be dangerous to them. And I mean, I felt like that. I think we've all, I mean, maybe you, <laughs> I'm imagining there's some sort of like very well-adjusted person who listens to the things I say and they're like, I cannot relate to anything you're talking about. Things have always just worked out for me. Uh, anyway, but I thought about my friend t- talking about, you know, how he's, you know, he feels like it's a public service to not be out in the world. And I thought, from that perspective of always sort of wanting someone else to be in my life, well, what do I also hold back from other people that they don't know? And if we're, if we're kind of always in social situations or always sort of out in public, then, you know, what is it that's, that we hold back that we feel like it's just better that other people just don't know? Now, you know, we've all been on these Zoom calls and, you know, okay, we're going to just go ahead and go to no video. You know, we don't need to let everybody know that we're not wearing pants or whatever. But what, so I think that there are, of course, you know, some things that are, you know, not appropriate to put out into your business settings or, you know, to your supermarket or whatever. But I think that that practice over and over again of holding yourself, um, apart from people, feeling like there's some part that if you shared it, it would hurt them, or if you shared it, they wouldn't like it. And so it remains secret. It never gets seen it, because you're, it, it never gets any kind of a chance to come out. You just sort of know it's there, like this, this kind of like, you know, scary little voice in your head that's kind of like, oh, well, I don't want to go out and be part of the world because, you know, someone, you know, I could hurt someone or, but it's this kind of vague notion of what, what does that mean? And so I think it's really interesting that if you never allow yourself to fully be yourself, then how can you know who you are? How do you, I mean, if you always are kind of holding back and I feel like, I mean, do you guys feel like that? Do you feel like you're holding back? and you felt, feel like you're holding back in your life, I feel like I'm holding back in my life all the time. And I don't know who for. I don't know for whose benefit. And so I think that this, this quarantine has been a really interesting moment for me to consider, you know, what does it mean to be just 
fully, you know, there's, there's no one to protect, you know, there's no one to protect when I'm alone. You know, who, who is it that I could be hurting by allowing all parts of myself to be present? Does, does that make sense? And so, you know, and, and too, like if we get, you know, a moment or two alone, you know, every, I mean, who gets this time? Like, I'm very lucky in a way, you know, I mean, I'm getting this time to be completely alone. And how, how often does that happen? You know, that you can just have this sort of pure experience of the self. And so what do I get to do with that? So what is, what is this essential? And, and believe me when I say too, that I don't think that there is an essential self that is ever, um, stalwart and unchanging. I, I don't believe that. I do believe that, you know, whatever this idea of the essential self is, is constantly in motion and it's in a reaction, but that there are desires and that there are impulses and there are ideas that are always sort of reined in kind of like wearing an emotional bra. You know what I mean? Like just let those, those, those guys just, you know, bounce around, let yourself bounce. Uh, but I think that's the thing is, is that it's allowing all of the parts of yourself to be able to be present. So what's interesting for me in this moment is that uh, I, like other women who are in their 40s, I'm suddenly going through perimenopause. I don't give a shit. Like, I don't give, it's, of course, you know, you know, I'm a majoritively hetero person, minorly bi person, and I don't care about whether or not someone likes me or not. I don't care if I, I'm attractive or I don't have any, I'm just in a moment right now where I just, for hormones or whatever is turned on or turned off, like I could give a shit what anybody thinks about me. And what's fascinating about this for me is that I'm like, man, here I am at 44 and just now I'm getting to have a moment where I can be my pure self. And again, the pure self is never changing self. It's a self in relationship with circumstances and identity, you know, like our identity is constantly shifting. But what I mean is in terms of like our relationship to, uh, you know, a family or to a, a romantic partner because in my life i've i've gone through so much trauma and from having gone through that there's been such a path of codependent behavior that i've gone through and then come back off of and i have so many times for years tried to become what i thought my partner wanted me to be and I think ultimately, I mean, that's one of the big reasons I think that I went through the big transformation that that I did a few years back and had to go through my separation and divorce is because I completely lost a sense of what, who I was. And it's, it's, you, I'm amazed by people who stay married, who can go through those kinds of big tumultuous changes and, and the marriage can, can hold who they are 
um, on the other side of it. Uh, I'm, I'm completely impressed with, with the longevity of marriages that can hold that. But for me, um, I've never had a period of time where I wasn't in some way, uh, subconsciously even, accommodating to be the person that my romantic partner or my family wanted me to be. And so here I am in quarantine. I like how it quarantine. Um, I don't have anyone to please. I mean, I have my kids to please, but there it's, it's a, it's a kind of a different, different way of approaching that. There's not a behavior expectation or, uh, you know, maps of belief that I'm supposed to hold up for them. And so I get to have this essential personhood. And so what that brings me to is when I've had these moments of revelation that kind of a glimpse, if you will, you know, of the fullness of, I know this sounds crazy because you guys probably just go through this all the time. You have no problem with this at all. But I may, I've been able to see kind of the fullness of who I am. My raw, weird, strange, emotional, freaky, creative, woo, spiritual, deep, did I say emotional? I can say it twice, self. And I actually, <laughs> I actually had a moment last weekend where I didn't have the kids and I was alone and I had this realization I was like, I, I'm a, what, I'm like a multi-million dollar software selling science fiction, erotic, writing, clairvoyant, you know, like, I'm like, holy shit, I'm so fucking weird. And then I I just died laughing. I was just like, I, I'm going to let my freak flag fly. Like, I don't, like. I, 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 I guess, I, I don't know, maybe I come, I, I don't know if I, I, I try to come off actually pretty low key because I don't want to draw attention to the fact that I am freaky as shit in my brain, but I've, it's been very freeing this, this, this past like 50 days of being able to go, well, no, actually that's just who I am. That is just really genuinely and truly that is me. And what's cool about getting to be that and act on it and do my freaky <laughs> do my freaky shit is that then I can figure out what actually makes that self those choice that the, those choices that choose together those synapses that fire together what makes that person happy and again. I, you, 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 folks who've gone through this or don't don't have any clue what I'm talking about, I, I hope that you can, but I hope you can relate to this idea that so many times in life, we don't actually know what makes us happy because we've been living for other people. And so in this time of being alone here, look, we get to be and figure out exactly who we are. And so what has been kind of the, the final part of this in terms of this kind of chain of events and chain of processes is 
well, if I have figured out who I am and what makes me happy and my freakiness, then instead of thinking about, and and, and, and then too, let's go back, I can figure out who, who I am and my freakiness. I understand that I am solely responsible for my feelings of loneliness or happiness or worth. And I get to control that by my own acceptance of my own freakiness or strangeness or how it is that I am or quiet or needing for naps or whatever it is, then I don't give a fuck. And that's such a great feeling. That's the the sense of too, like, well, I don't care if anyone else likes me. Like, I don't, I, I didn't, I don't want to, of course, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I don't want to ever offend anyone. But like, I could give two shits if I'm popular. Like that, or if I have 25,000 friends. Because then if I sit and I go into my meditation, I think about when I am that freak, freaky self, when I am that person who, um, you know, is, is, uh, is, is, you know, the most, uh, weirdness of myself. And I say weird is freakiness. I can't, I can't even explain to you guys. Like, um, I have, I have friends, my dear friends who I can think about them. I'll think about them. And then 20 minutes later, they text me. And these are people that I've known since I was, well, you know, my, my dearest, and my oldest friends since I was 10 years old. Uh, my other friends since I was 12 years old. Uh, my other friends since I was 15 years old. These are women that I've been with for my entire life. And, uh, you know, my other friend from when I was 17 years old. And so, when I think about my clairvoyance and my ability to set intention in the world and my ability to create and bring creativity out of others and um, the way that I can create story and narrative and empathy and understanding, when I'm in that place, it's such a different experience of thinking about friendship. It's such a different experience thinking about relationship. Because then I don't think, well, who will accept me or who will like me? But instead, who makes me feel the most potent? Who makes me feel like I can be my full self? If this is me and my full self in my complete aloneness, then who are the people in my life that I can feel as free as I feel when I'm completely alone. It's almost like the loneliness becomes a kind of compass. The, the aloneness, not loneliness, two different things. The aloneness becomes a compass of this is just who I am, this is what I am, and does, you know, do, does, this, does this frequency, does this person make me feel like I, I, I continue in the right direction? This is this to me is very new. This is new stuff for me. I have I struggle with social anxiety. I struggle with wanting people to like me. I struggle with uh you know feeling nervous when I go into a crowd or group. And oddly enough, you know, I I work in sales. So a big part of my life in a way is really wanting people winning wanting to win people over. 
but as I was, I was actually remarking to a, a work friend, you know, several months ago, I've realized that at least within that realm, I take rejection extremely well. I just genuinely, I mean, it, it doesn't even phase me if, if I'm, you know, rejected in that scenario. But when it comes to friendships or comes to public situations, you know, I still feel awkward, you know. And I feel like this period of time of getting to be by myself and getting to really come into myself in this new state, you know, um, new old state where I'm not trying to make anyone else happy except for myself. And of course my kids, but that's like an extension of myself. Then what does that mean when I come back into the social world? I, 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 I leave you with this thought. When uh, my daughter and I got to go with some dear friends, we, we got to go to New Orleans just before all of this hit in February. It was so much fun. And I remember in the, the, the different uh, 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 parades that were coming through, the, you'd see the, these majorettes who were, um, you know, part of the, uh, the big marching bands. And, you know, some of the gals were chunky, you know, some of the girls were very thick and some of the girls were, you know, you know had more standard <clears throat> had standard sort of conventionally attractive proportions, but no matter what, it wasn't about the actual body and the way that the majorette moved through or the color guard moved through the the street. It was the way that they moved and the way that they thought of themselves and the way that they carried themselves. And they don't give and and it, it was it amazing to think too how you could bring that possible energy of just knowing that you were amazing, that just be, like belief in self and bring that forward into the world. I remember getting back or seeing them and going, man, I want to, I only want to walk like a majorette now. I only want to walk like that. That's how I want to carry myself in the world. And uh, I did, it, it had a little hiccup there. I didn't, didn't quite get there, you know, right, right from, right from jump. But I guess I could now. So I guess that's that's the that's the news from Lake Wobegon. Uh, that the most essential personnel that I have is myself and and you too, you know. That this moment of isolation, if we allow it to be, can also be a moment of us just having radical acceptance for ourselves and radical love and uh, celebration for the weird, freaky-ass people that we are. And that the people who come back to us and the people that we love in our lives, that we move forward with, that will continue to be close in our lives, we get, we're lucky. We get to uh, go forward with them from a place of real truth and acceptance of ourselves. And when we can really be ourselves, that means that somebody else can really love us. 
And if we're in the moment of being ourselves and they're loving us for who we are, and we love ourselves for who we are, that we can love them for who they are without having to try and make them change. And all of that seems pretty good. So, anyway, these are my thoughts from uh, Dave Shorza, 50 Sumersna of quarantine. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. Wash your hands. Stay well.